Okay, good morning, good morning, good morning. Thank you guys, those of you who showed up. So happy that you guys are here. All right, so uh, good morning, those of you here. Good morning to our faithful podcast listeners um, who will be following this message as well. All right, we'll go ahead and start with a prayer as usual. Father, we just gather together in your name. The word says we're two or more gathered in your name, your presence, and your midst. So we ask for your presence here, O oh God. We ask for grace in this moment. We ask for grace in this hour, Lord. We ask for ears to hear you. We ask for a heart that understands that we may cleave to you. We ask for your, your spirit, O oh God, to guide us in this hour. We ask for your Holy Spirit to envelope us, to dwell within us in this very moment in this very space of time oh lord we ask god that you will equip us enlighten us teach us and lord god we ask for your grace and your mercy over us may your name be glorified oh lord may the thoughts of our hearts the words of our mouth be acceptable before you may we oh god be find may we find grace before your eyes in this in this time oh lord and we just worship, we adore you, bow in reverence, and we say thank you for who you are to us. All the glory, all the honor, all the praise be up unto you alone. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, so we've been going on our series. We've talked about worship. Last uh, Sunday, we actually, well, not last Sunday, because last Sunday you guys had that student um, week, right? And the, well, the week before, we had the art of worship. You know what it means to worship God and how should we worship God? Because God has his own standards. And one of the things, the key scriptures that we read from the prior Sunday was Deuteronomy 6 from verse 4 to 5. We're going to extend it to verse 6 today. So we understand what um, God requires from us. But today I want to talk about something that is really practical, which is keeping God first. I know um, when you guys are having a student week on Saturday, um, Onize and Spring talked about how you guys had a conversation before I came in and talked about finances, that you guys were talking about what, what are the things that kind of keep you from practicing your faith even more. I, I, she didn't go into specific details with me, but do you remember what you guys talked about? How certain things can come in the way of your fellowship with God? Can you remember some of the things? Okay, to worship God, right? Okay, so today we'll keep this uh, as a practical discussion. We're going to be talking about keeping God first. Uh, before we do um, go into Deuteronomy, we're going to go into Matthew 13, and we're going to read the parable that Jesus gave from verse 3 to 9. Who wants to go and... Read for me Matthew chapter 13 from 3 to 9. And he spake many things unto them in parables, saying, Behold, sore went forth to sow. And when he sowed some seeds, fell by, fell, fell by the wayside, and the clouds came and devoured them. Some fell upon stone places where they had not much earth. For with they sprung up because they had no because they had no deepness of earth. And when the sun was up, there were scorched, and because they had no roots, they withered away. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns sprung up and 
choked them. But others fell onto good ground and brought forth food some, and a hundredfold, some sixtyfold, some thirtyfold. Who had ears to hear, let them hear. Okay. Every time you see whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. It's it's like a really, it's a really important uh, scripture for you to grasp. That's why he's saying, let he who has ears, let him hear. And that's why every time that I pray, I always say, God, please give us ears that we may hear you. Give us eyes that we may see you, right? The re- you have to, when you read this, you have to ask yourself a question. What kind of soil do I fall into? Right? Because Jesus is the one who is a farmer who's sowing his words, right? We are his disciples. So as his disciples, as we receive his word, what kind of group do we Because there are four groups that he just talked about, right? The first group are those who hear on the wayside, right? And the birds come and they pick up the seeds and they go away, right? The second group is the one that has shallow ground, right? Because they don't have enough soil in them, they don't have roots within themselves, what happens? The sun comes, it scorches it, and it dies, right? Then the third group is those who fall among thorns, and the thorns and the stuff sprang up, and they choked the seed, and the plant doesn't grow, and there you go. And then the fourth one, right, is the one where it bears much fruit, some 60 some 30-fold, some 100. It bears much fruit. And we've talked about repeatedly how Jesus says, I've come that you may bear fruit, and I've come that your fruits may remain, right? Jesus' whole purpose is to make sure that you bear fruit, right? We've read scriptures where it says that God is a husbandman and he's expecting fruit from us, right? He prunes us to make sure we bear much fruit, right? So, now, ask yourself, because if you read that parable later on, his disciples come and they ask him, what does that parable really mean, right? And he begins to explain to them that those who hear it on the wayside are those who hear the word. They don't understand it, so the sa- Satan comes and snatches the word from them, right? The second group is those who, they hear the word, but they don't have roots within themselves. So as soon as little persecution comes, right, they fall away, Right? And then the third one is the ones, they hear the word, they're happy about the word, but the cares of life and the deception of riches choke the word out. So you see, the third group are the ones who, like you said, 24 hours doesn't seem to be enough. Every day, life gets in the way. You want to avoid falling into that third group of people. The third group, because the first ones, they don't understand the word, right? They don't understand, so they don't receive it. So the the devil comes and he snatches it away from them. They don't believe, so they just carry on going their own ways. That's what you call an unbeliever, right? The second group, he receives the word, but he doesn't have enough root within himself. So when he begins to receive persecution on account of the word, when people kind of say, okay, I can't hang out with you because you are boring, or something like that. Back in those days, it was... You're a Christian, I'm going to kill you, right? It's a capital offense, right? But today, it's more of a social uh, death that you will you will die as opposed to... I mean, in some places, you still will get persecuted for your faith. If you were somewhere like North Korea, 
you probably would definitely get killed for your faith, right? But today it's more of a social death that you will suffer. People won't be your friend anymore. Society will kind of cast you off, right? You can no longer um, do certain things that you would be privy to in modern day society. You wouldn't have that privilege anymore. But the third group, that is the group that a lot of Christians tend to fall into, which is they allow the cares of life, the things that are day-to-day activities, the need to go to work, the need to get certain things completed because there's not enough 24 hours, right? All of those get in the way and the deception of wealth gets in the way. But then the fourth group is where we should plan to be. How do we get in the fourth group? The one that receives the word, understands the word, guards the word, and produces fruit. 30-fold, 60-fold, 100-fold, right? When he gives categories of 30-fold, 60-fold, don't aim to just produce 30-fold, right? 100-fold production, right? Okay, so let's go to Deuteronomy um, 6 from verse 4 through the 8. We read this last week. We say how... Does God expect us when it comes when it comes to Himself? How was He? What is He expecting from us, right? Uh, Michaela, you're gonna read this one for me, please. Deuteronomy six, four through the eight. This is God speaking to Israel and telling them, "Remember, as a believer in Yeshua, as a believer in Jesus, you have been grafted into the Commonwealth." Of Israel, So you should listen to these words and look at it that he's speaking to you as well. This is a command to all of the generations, those who are natural Israel, those who are grafted in Israel. So Michaela, go on and read. So Deuteronomy 6 from verse 4 through the 8. What, what does it say? Hear Israel, the Lord our God. This is the song that we sing, right? Shema Israel, Adonai Eloheinu, Adonai Echad, right? What is he saying? He's saying that here, I'll hear, oh Israel, hear the Lord our God, the Lord our God. He is God alone, right? You should love him with all of your heart, all of your soul, all of your strength. And then he gives a specific commandment that you have to teach his commands to your children. And you have to bind them upon your hand. You have to bind them as signs between your eyes, right? You should talk about them when you're going on the way. Talk about them when you're lying down. Talk about them when you're everything that you're doing. You should it should be a it should be God's commandments. That is the expectation of God from us. That is what He's expecting from us. If we're worshiping Him. We should find out how he wants us to worship him. What does that mean? In everything you do, you should keep him first. Right. I want you to read Psalm 90 verse 12. Timmy. Psalm 90 verse 12. 
teach us to number our days that we may apply our hearts unto wisdom. Thank you. The word that that is translated as teach us to number our days, the word that is saying number our days, the word is in Hebrew is mana, which actually means to um which actually means to appoint is the same word. Hey, good morning. Good morning. Good to have you here. Are you looking for Redeemed Church? Yes. Where the children of God meet on Sunday morning. Yes. You're what, welcome. What time What time does uh, we, we get worshiping? Uh, so <laughs> we actually start, this is our uh, discipleship class. Yeah. And then the main worship starts around uh, the, like 11. 10.30. Yeah. 10.30? Yeah. About 10, 10.30. Uh-huh. Thank you. You don't want to stay for this class? Uh, not right now. No. All right, so where were we? So we, were, we said that... Um, that was so strange. Sorry for those who are listening on the podcast. That was so weird. We just had someone walk in and ask uh, to worship, but then chose not to worship. Well, all right, let's continue. So we said um, the word that is translated as teach us to number our days. The word number is actually the Hebrew word manal, which means to appoint. It's the same word that um, uh, the book of Jonah, when it says that God appointed a fish to swallow Jonah, that's the same word. It says God uh, appointed like mana, a fish. So God selected a certain fish. So this is actually saying, it's a prayer of Moses. That The whole book of Psalm 90 is a prayer of Moses. Moses is actually saying, asking God, say, teach us to appoint our days. What does it mean to appoint our days? That we may apply our heart to wisdom, that we may have wisdom in our hearts, right? Teach us to appoint our days means that each and every day, let us prepare that day, appoint that day for a specific purpose. If God says um, you should have this word on your heart when you walk on the way, when you're sleeping, when you're eating, when you're doing everything, he's expecting you, even when you're sleeping, you should be meditating on his word, even when you're sleeping. When you're sleeping, you should be meditating on his word. You should be talking about his word, talking to yourself in your sleep about his word, right? So teach us to appoint our days, meaning teach us to make sure that our days are appointed unto God, that our days are used for worshiping God. Now, if you think about your day being used to worship God, it means that everything else is secondary, right? It means that you shouldn't think about the fact that, hey, I got to go to work. I got to do my assignment. I got to do, you, you shouldn't be thinking of those first. Those are the secondary things that should come first. The first things is to prepare your day as glorifying God first. That is the first thing you should do. Now, when I say you should prepare your day as if it's it's for it's for it's for glorifying God, doesn't mean that. Okay, I gotta uh, nine a.m. I gotta glorify God. That's the first thing. When I wake up at eight o'clock, I gotta glorify God. Uh, I gotta pray at that point. Okay, so three o'clock is the next time I have to pray. Four o'clock. No, it means that the whole day is for glorify God. And then you find a way to wiggle everything else into the picture, right? 
then you got to think about how you wiggle things into the picture. And we'll talk about the practicality of that in a second. But let's read Daniel chapter 1 from verse 3 to 8. Daniel chapter 1, 3 to 8. And the king spake unto Asaphus, the master of that he should bring out a certain children of Israel, of the king's seed, and of the princes, uh, and of the prince. Children of whom was no blemish, but well favored and skillful in all wisdom knowledge and understanding signs and such as had ability in them to stand in the king's palace and whom they might teach the learning and the tongue of the Chaldeans. Chaldeans. And the king appointed them a daily provision of the king's meat and, and the, of the wine he drank, so nourishing them thirty years, that at the end thereof they might stand before the king. Now among these were the children of Judah, Daniel, Hannah, Meshach, and Azirah, unto whom the prince of Eunuchs gave names, for he gave unto, unto Daniel the name of Bethshabar, and Hannah of Shadrach, and Meshach of Meshach, and to Azra of the Abednego. Okay, and then you got one more verse three. Oh, so eight? Yeah, oh. and eight. Yeah. But Daniel pur- pur- purposed in his heart that he would not define himself with the portion of the king's meat, nor with the wine he drank. Thereof he requested of the prince of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. Thank you. Okay, so if we read this, we just think about the story of the three Hebrew kids, right? Um, uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Right? We always think about that story. We think about the point where, uh, you know, they got thrown into the fire, but the angel of the Lord came and saved them uh, from the fire. We think about the story in a simplistic sense. But one thing that we, if you want to, I want us to pay close attention to is when the king told his, uh, his the master of the eunuchs, right? He said to them, go and get children so these were just the the word that in hebrew here is yeladim yeladim means a young child someone that is around Michaela's age from the 15 15 through to 18 to to to, the, to your 20s right if these guys were any old they, they probably weren't older than 21 so they, these were young children when daniel and his three uh colleagues with him were chosen right they were chosen at a very young age that's the first thing we got to pay attention to the second thing we got to pay attention to is that num verse eight it says but daniel proposed in his heart proposed proposed meaning that he was determined his heart was set upon it that he would not defile himself 
what does defiling himself mean? Some people will take it that, okay, it's the king's palace. I can eat anything in the king's palace. But no, as a, as a Jewish child, he definitely knew what was kosher and what was not kosher, right? He knew he couldn't eat pork. He knew he probably shouldn't eat um, certain kinds of food that would be in the palace at that point. He couldn't eat, you know, see certain seafoods, right? So he had proposed in his heart that he was not going to defile himself with the king's food because they definitely didn't keep kosher back then, that's for sure, in Babylon, right? So that was the first thing he kind of, for us as Christians, the one thing that we will tend to see is, okay, it could be in your education. It could be, okay, if you have, um, if you have the privilege of being called to study in a prestigious school and to be a part of a certain sorority, right? And you want to partake with the other sorority. Is it, is it okay to be a part of that sorority? Or will you defile yourself by being a member of that sorority? Those are the kinds of questions we should ask ourselves. But look at Daniel. Daniel actually, he already proposed in his heart. The first thing is to make that up, that decision in your heart. And then everything else comes after. Right? He wasn't opposed to being studying under the palace. He wasn't opposed to that. But the one thing that he was opposed to is breaking the laws of his God. So the first thing he determined in his heart was I was not going to defile myself with a king's food, right? So, yes, I'm being called to be a student in the king's palace. Part of that being called to be a student has certain benefits, which is eating at the king's table, drinking the king's wine. But he chose that the pluses of those benefits, he was, it wasn't necessary for him. So it was, first of all, making a conscious choice, right? Proposing within his heart that he wasn't going to let this happen, okay? All right, so our last, uh, um, before we go into our last verse, I want to uh, expatiate on this a little bit, right? What does it mean for you, right? As a student, you have a lot of priorities, right? First things you have, school, you have to go work so you can make money because as a student, you're probably very broke, right? And then you have to do your homework. You have to hang out with friends or whatever. And like you said, the thing that comes up, it almost feels like there is nothing that is, you know, 24 hours doesn't seem enough in the day to be able to, uh, you know, work in your faith. What are the practical steps you can take to actually make sure that you're seeking God first? You're putting God first above all else, right? What are the practical things that you do? I'll give you as an example for myself, right? For me as a Christian, it means that everything that I do has to be in service to God first. So what do I do? I appoint certain things in my day that make sure that I'm serving first before anything else comes into play. In the morning, I wake up 6 I would usually wake up at 5.30 a.m., right? I do have my prayer session, my own personal prayer session. That's the first things first, right? Then I do a, a workout. Not, I don't work out every day, just FYI. Just, it's, it's, it's inconsistent sometimes, three times a day. But I make sure that 6.30 a.m. every morning, I join a prayer call, right? If you don't have one to join, 
you can start one yourself with all your friends. But join as that's your first service, right? So first to God, which is your connection to God. Next is to your neighbor, right? He said the first commandment is to love the Lord your God with all of your heart. Second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. So you have to look for how you're going to serve in service to somebody else, okay? If you don't have a prayer group to join in the morning, start one yourself. You can do that, right? Your prayer group doesn't have to be a long one. It could be 20, it could be 30 minutes, it could be 20 minutes, right? Then before you begin to go on your day. But while you're going on your day, make sure that you understand that the people that meet you are opportunities for you to shine that light. The place that God has put you to stay, the station that God has put you to stay, you have to understand it is God who puts you in that position. And because you're in that position, you're to show forth his light to whoever you meet, right? What does that mean? When you befriend people and they get to know you, they see how, oh, Timmy is always so smiley. Why is he so smiley? That's your opportunity to speak about your faith, right? You're standing there as a minister. You might be a front desk. That's a title that they've given you. But the truth is, I'm standing here as a gatekeeper for God. That is my title within me. Understand that everything you do is unto God first, right? They might give you certain rules that don't come and bring your faith in here. But there's nothing about speaking to the people that you've known, right? Befriending the people you know, having them as friends and talking to them about your faith, right? That is your first office. And then when you go midday, you can obviously appoint certain hours within your day that, hey, it's time for me to reconnect with God. Because I, if you remember, Jesus, every time he spoke to people, every time he met with people, every time he preached the gospel, he would always set himself apart, go apart, and just quickly reconnect with God, say a prayer, right? The same thing. You have to refuel from your source. You have to reconnect with God and say, God, I need you to continuously speak to me throughout the day. You should be in constant conversation with him, right? And obviously at night, when you before you go to bed, you should appoint a time. Appoint a time always means choosing a time that works not just for you, but to be able to connect with somebody else, say a prayer together, right? Obviously when you're in your bed, before you go to bed, you can, you can say a prayer, reconnect with God at that point, even in your sleep. Speak prayers even in your sleep. Connect with God in your sleep. Expect God to speak to you even in your, in your sleep, right? That's what it means to appoint your days, to appoint the time of your day. Do not think that, oh, I have to go to school because I'm a student. No, God is giving you the grace to go to work, to go to school as a student. So what are you supposed to do with that opportunity that you're given? Do you set yourself apart like Daniel did? Meaning that not allowing the school system to defile you, but being set apart to be a light to influence that um, school that you're at, right? That is what it means to put God first. Making sense so far? Good morning, Sister How are you? Good. Okay, so we have one last scripture to read before we actually uh, uh, turn over the mic. Matthew chapter 5 from verse 14 through to 16. And I'll go ahead and I'll read that one. Ye are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel. But on a candlestick, and it give it light unto all that are in the house. Let your ha- let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father, which is in heaven. Right? If Daniel didn't let his light shine, 
Would King David, would the King David and Nathan be able to praise God of heaven? If the three Hebrew kids didn't let their light shine, would the king of Babylon be amazed that there is a God that is all powerful? You should be willing to show forth your faith wherever you are. Christianity, being a disciple, doesn't mean showing up in church. It means carrying the person of Jesus on your body, on yourself, wherever you are. Crucifying your flesh, showing forth a different personality. Setting yourself apart. The meaning of holy is to be set apart, to be separate, to be different. When others are joining sororities and they tell you, hey, you have the credentials to join a sorority. Ask yourself the question, do I need to join a sorority? Do I, am I that kind of person? Am I going to be defiling myself with such activities? Do you want to say something? No, I, I, are you recording this? Yes. Please, you will pull it up to the, to our Facebook page. Okay. What I'm, no, let me put this out. Okay. I will ask you the questions later. Oh, really? Okay. All right. Yes. I will ask you, all of us will benefit. Okay. I will ask you. Okay. Alright. Alright. I pray I won't forget. Let me ask. You see about this sorority, what do you call it now? Sororities? Yeah. Yeah. Most of our students don't know. Don't know. They are ignorant mm-hmm. of what that society means. Mm-hmm. You see, they present it to them as an academic achievement. Mm-hmm. As a status that you have to achieve in order to, that is, you have to belong mm. to know that you are up there. That is the, uh, that most students understand, even me. Mm. Now that you have said it, please, can you just share a little bit of what, what it's all about? Okay. So there's different so because all of us strive to get there, get to it. achieve, to become part of it. So for us to, you know, it's it's a thing of pride. Mm-hmm. People even go about I'm a I'm a Alpha Gamma Phi to certain other that for off this now, I will say the I don't want to say this to record of events we just attended a few days ago. Mm. Because I thought it's something of honor, you know. I attended that. Somebody very close to me was honored. Mm. Become that, they named all these uh, sorority groups that right. the person has achieved because of his, the, the person's uh, academic excellence. Okay. So please, if you can just educate us a little bit. Okay, the first thing that, there's different kinds of sororities. There are some that are they're not well known, they're small, and they're just looking for people to gather people. Some students even start their own because they have a certain course that they, a certain uh, idea within their hearts, whether it's climate change, and they try and get enough signatures to get that sorority going. There's some that are well known, they've been for ages, they've been for generations, and you see wealthy families oh would belong God. to those ones, yeah. They actually kind of uh, advertise on themselves as prestigious, that they will help you, you know, when you get into the workplace. You see, it could be a CEO who used to be a part of that fraternity, and he just suddenly tells you that 
Oh, I I'm a person, and suddenly he's he he wants to give you the job because you belong to his sorority. The first question you want to ask yourself is, from whence does your help come from? Who is your source? If your source is God, you're not looking for man to honor you. Neither are you looking for favors from anyone. So in your choices of, do I want to be a part of a sorority? I personally, I don't uh, buy into that idea of sorority. I think it's just, I think it's just man trying to make a name for himself. I don't buy into the idea. I'm not telling you that they're all bad. I'm just telling you that I know where my souls come from, right? And if my God has destined me for certain things, I only want to go where He wants me to go. But it's not is is it called? Is, every every so every every society they. In this, in, no, 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 no. It's, it's it's a good conversation because in Nigeria, it's it's mostly cults we have. We, right. we don't have sorority. <laughs> we don't have. Yeah, it's it's mostly cults. And in the in for the for the the whole idea of what it is in Nigeria is just cult. It's a secret society that is a cult. And unfortunately for Nigeria, Nigeria is a. I, there's no better way to put it. Nigeria is a bad place. It's a bad society. So the only thing it can produce is bad stuff, right? The only thing, the light within that society is the church. And that's why the church itself is not a secret organization. It's an organization that is open to all. Common fellowship. We tell you our rules. We tell you, our, we tell you about Christ. We tell you about salvation. So the light is there in the midst of the darkness, right? Over here, it's an association. They call it an association, Right? They have their they have the bylaws, you have to sign the bylaws, you join and you even pay a fee to be a part of it. They tell you what their purposes are, they tell you what their their goals are and their visions and all of that, right? It's like being a member of a body, but they don't necessarily call it a cult. Now, in America, the word the word cult or cult usually means something specific. Something that is related to devil worship. Um Related to practice of magic, a practice of the magical arts. That's what the word occult means here. But in um, in sororities and fraternities, they do a lot of things like hazing, drinking alcohol, parties, um, you know, all kinds of stuff. I don't know if there's any kind of uh, ritual they make you do like go to the graveyard or do any kind of, I don't know. I've never been a member of such organizations, right? So occult means the idea of occultism in America means practice of dark arts. It is very specific in America. But in, in Nigeria, most of the time, cults, what do they do? Rape, steal. There is nothing good that they ever do. Have you ever heard an occult member do something good? The reason why people join cults is so they can be a part of a strong team, so that when they want to go and beat somebody up or do something bad to someone, or people will fear them that they're part of a cult, that they can do something bad to you. No one ever has the expectation that uh, this cult member is going to do something good for me. Right? That's the difference between what we have there and what's present in America. So there's very, there are very two different kinds of organizations. This, people join sororities here because they're looking for career advancement. They're looking for a better, they're looking for a, a, an opportunity that will allow them when they get into the workforce 
it'll be easy for them to get a job because they were part of a sorority. They were part of a, a group, an organization that is uh, the word stronger together, right? That it would get, open doors for them. That's why they're not joining because they, in Nigeria, they join, p- p- bad people join calls because they want to do bad stuff. They're not joining. Most, most students don't join because they want to do bad stuff. Like you hear, you hear on the news that a student died because of the hazing, because they made him drink too much alcohol. I think two students died, right? And they wanted to shut down the, the fraternity in that school. But there are situations where students actually open sororities because they have climate change in mind. And they want people to actually join them in that cause, right? In that, in that cause to, to push the cause forward. Yeah. It's just, uh, what? To promote an ideology, yeah. So it doesn't mean that theirs is popular. It just means that it's, it doesn't have a lot of backing of generations or generations of families, right? There are families who, again, families who join some of these fraternities and sororities, some of them might be members of, uh, what's it called? The other one. The Illuminati. Well, it's not the Illuminati. The one that has a... No, the one that has their thing, the symbol like this. Um, Freemasons. Freemasons. Yeah. Obviously, that's a very that's a secret organization. <laughs> I know. That is, so there are so many of them. So I just wanted to, um, because uh, I kind of sometimes I encourage. You know, it's not like I encourage, but I welcome it. Oh, you are a member of this in the school that will help you to advance yourself. To yeah, to prepare yourself. Yeah. So, but I just wanted to find out who are not leading, supporting occultism. Yeah, it's it is not necessary. Yeah, the you the thing is you have to ask yourself. There's two questions you have to ask yourself, right? The first question is who's my source. When you ask yourself that question, who is my source? It means that God is. If God is your source, then you should only be doing what God tells you to do. If there's ever a reason when God tells you to join a specific sorority or fraternity. He's sending you there for a specific reason. Maybe they'll turn things around. You never know. There are certain fraternities that it's Jesus' fraternity. I, there was one that I was walking, watching a documentary. It's a, I think it was called the Jesus Boys or something like that. They they were instructed to only read the New Testament and never to read the Old Testament. Oh, that is the boys they, they train in there. I know the, the stuff. I watched it. I watched it. This, what do they call them? I will remember their name. They, they 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 only read the New Testament and they want to model the New Testament. Yeah. Yeah. So and and um this this uh specific group of, of guys, right? One of them and they all from they've been a long time, so they've been going from generation to generation. one of them actually uh when he left out of the office, he got into trouble. Um he cheated on the whole documentary to show that sometimes these uh, fraternities are hypocritical. He cheated on his wife, yeah, I, and they told him that, okay, well, David cheated on his wife, so right. you shouldn't let that. Yes, I, I think I watched it. <laughs> so, so the the thing is, if God allowed they, 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 they organize this uh, prayer breakfast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Certain things can be for a cause, right? But you always have to ask yourself one of two things. Who is my source? If God is my source, then go to God and ask. God should be the one telling you whether you should do certain things or not, right? Different sororities have different purposes. 
if you don't, a lot of the time, if you don't believe in God, if you don't hold on to God, that's when you pursue things like sororities because you believe it's going to advance your career, because you believe you have to please certain people. The same people who join sororities, the same people who go in the office and, and they're asking, so, so forgive my French. They actually, you know, smuggle off to the bus, pretend to, you know, be super good with the bus so the boss can give them promotions. But is that being a light? Is that what it means to be a light to your generation? If you can't set yourself apart from the world and the world is the one that is influencing you, how are you starting out as a light to your generation? If you join a sorority that doesn't believe in your faith, you're not going to be able to force them to listen to you. The moment they understand that you are a different type of breed, they will kick you out, right? It doesn't mean that the message has come to their ears and they've heard Right? But if they know you as a friend outside the sorority and they see how different you are, they invite you to the sorority. I, see, I get letters. First, the letters used to come to me when I was at Houston, when I was taking classes at Houston Community College. I was taking classes online. And they used to get the letter, come and join the sorority. You only paid, come and join the sorority. Next thing I see, when my daughter started, Michaela started taking classes at Houston, they started sending letters to her. I get the letters in the mail, I just rip it off. Right? When they see you, they invite you, right? Some of their leaders see you as, a, as an outstanding person. They invite you. And you say no. They kind of wonder, what is this so special about you? Do you know who we are? And then that's an opportunity for you to talk about your faith. They're like, hmm, he's a different breed. That is shining your light. One of them, might, someone who's, who's probably timid, might actually be like, he got invited. He didn't join. What's so special about him? And that person will suddenly want to know who you are and why you are the way you are. Suddenly you start talking about your God. That person might be open to listening because they were originally timid. They didn't want to, they, maybe they were timid and they thought that this sorority was the best answer for them. But seeing Timmy, who is confident in his ways, who is suddenly confident, what is your, where is your confidence coming from? Right? That is being the light. But if you join a sorority and you're like everybody else, how have you set yourself apart so that someone who's timid can see that light and be drawn to that light? Right? Questions. All right. Let's go ahead and close with a prayer. Thank you, Lord, for the word today. We ask that you make us as those who bear much fruit, those who bear fruit in the 60s and 100s. We ask, oh God, that you... Help us, oh God, teach us to mana our days, to appoint our days, that our days may be unto you, that our days may be unto your glory, that in all that we do, that you will receive praise. We worship him, we thank you for such a time as this, that you've called us to be your own, that you've called us to be city set on hills, that you've called us to be lights to our own generation. We give you praise because you are always our source. We bow in worship and in adoration before you, and we lift the rest of the service to you. Father, please be present here with us and be glorified in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Amen.